Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Welcome to OKC First. Today, you have come for a different kind of service at the beginning of each year. Because it is a part of our rich tradition, we want to do a Wesley Covenant service. And so it is my honor and privilege today to have my mentor walk us through all the steps of a Wesley Covenant service. You may not know this, but Dr. Tashton has been connected to me and to this church for many, many years. Uh, He survived me being in his classes back when I was in college. And I have learned so much from this man, and he continues to, on a weekly basis, invest in me and invest in us and the life of the church. And so it is uh, my great honor and privilege to bring him to the platform now to walk us through this very important moment, a Wesley Covenant service. And he will tell you more about what that means. So Dr. Tashin, please come and lead us. Well, welcome on this second Sunday of Christmas and the first Sunday in the new year. Um, Happy New Year's to you all. But we as Wesleyans, that is to say we who follow in the footsteps of John Wesley. Today, the first Sunday of the new year, we have this service that we call Wesley Covenant Renewal. John Wesley was a minister of the gospel in 18th century England, traveled all over the country to preach the good news to people who were often neglected by the church. He reached out to crowds in open fields to preach to them. And every year, whenever he was in London, on the first Sunday of the year, or on New Year's Day, or Christmas, uh, or New Year's Eve, he would hold a covenant renewal service. And so that's what we'll be doing today. Uh, This will be somewhat of a more what we call liturgical worship in the Wesleyan tradition. Liturgical. That's made up of two Greek words, meaning work of the people. In other words, worship is the work of the people. It's not done by any one person. Worshippers are not spectators, but they join together in this work of worship. I hope that when you came in, you received an order of worship uh, that will guide you through this Uh, worship that we have today. If you have not received one of these, perhaps there are some ushers who could 
bring one to you. Anyone needing one? Raise your hand if you need one of these orders of worship. Uh, okay, there is one there needing one. Uh, any others? Now, when I say this will be a liturgical worship, that doesn't mean rigid formality. Um, it's just a way for us to be all on the same page, worship together. The bold print is spoken by the entire congregation in unison, and those who are able are invited to stand at those places marked with an asterisk. But if you cannot stand, if it's difficult for you to stand, please feel free to remain seated. That's perfectly all right. And if you make a mistake, and sometimes I make a mistake, you speak at the wrong time. That's perfectly all right. Our aim is not perfect performance. Our aim is wholehearted worship to our Lord. So, that being said, please take your orders of worship now and follow along as I read the call to worship using the words of John Wesley himself. Dearly beloved, the Christian life to which we are called is a life in Christ, redeemed from sin, and through him consecrated to God. Upon this life, we have entered, having been admitted into that new covenant of which our Lord Jesus Christ is mediator, and which he sealed with his own blood that it might stand forever. On one side, the covenant is God's promise that he will ful ful fulfill in and through us all that he declared in Jesus Christ, who is the author and perfecter of our faith, that his promise stands, we are sure, for we have known his goodness and proved his grace in our lives day by day. On the other side, we stand pledged to live no more unto ourselves, but to him who loved us and gave himself for us and has called us to serve him that the purpose of his coming might be fulfilled. From time to time, we renew our vows of consecration, especially when we gather at the Lord's table. But on this day, we meet expressly as generations of our forebears have met, that we may joyfully and solemnly anew uh, renew the covenant which bound them and binds us to God. And all the people said, Amen. Please stand with us for And Can It Be. Thank you. 
and spirit lay fast bound in sin and nature's night thine eye diffused a quickening ray I roke the dungeon flamed with light my chains fell off my heart was free I rose went forth and followed thee my chains my chains fell take your orders of worship and join with me as we pray the prayer of adoration responsively. Let us worship our creator, the God of love. God continually preserves and sustains us. We have been loved with an everlasting love through Jesus Christ, we have been given complete knowledge of God's glory. You are God. We praise you. We acknowledge you to be the Lord. Let us glory in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, for our sakes he became poor. He was tempted in all points as we are, but he was without sin. 
He went about doing good and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He accepted death, death on the cross. He was dead and is alive forever. He has opened the kingdom of heaven to all who trust in him. He sits in glory at the right hand of God. He will come again to be our judge. You, Christ, are king of glory. Let us rejoice in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. Through the Spirit, we are born into the family of God and made members of the body of Christ. The witness of the Spirit confirms us. The wisdom teaches us. The power enables us. And the Spirit will do far more for us than we ask or think. All praise to you, Holy Spirit. Amen. Our first reading is from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31. For thus says the Lord, Sing aloud with gladness for Jacob, and raise shouts for the chief of the nations. Proclaim, give praise, and say, Save, O Lord, your people, the remnant of Israel. See, I am going to bring them from the land of the north and gather them from the farthest parts of the earth, among them the blind and the blame, those with child and those in labor, together a great company. They shall return here. With weeping they shall come, and with consolations I will lead them back. I will let them walk by brooks of water in a straight path in which they shall not stumble, for I have become a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it to the coastlands far away. Say, he who scattered Israel will gather him and will keep him as a shepherd of flock. For the Lord has ransomed Jacob and has redeemed him from hands too strong for him. They shall come and sing aloud on the height of Zion, and they shall be radiant over the goodness of the Lord over the grain, the wine, and the oil, and over the young of the flock and the herd. Their life shall become like a watered garden, and they shall never languish again. Then shall the young women rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old shall be merry. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. I will give the priests their fill of fatness, and my people shall be satisfied with my bounty, says the Lord. The word of the Lord. Our psalm of responsive reading today is Psalm 147. Please join me with the parts in bold as we read together responsively. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. The Lord strengthens the bars of your gates and blesses your children. The Lord grants peace within your borders and fills you with the finest of wheat. The Lord sends out his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. The Lord gives snow like wool and scatters frost like ashes. The Lord sends out his word and melts them and makes his wind blow and the waters flow. The 
The Lord has not dealt thus with any other nation. They do not know his ordinances. Praise the Lord. Our third reading is from the letter of Paul to the Ephesians, chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he has lavished on us. With all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Christ, we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people to the praise of his glory. The word of the Lord. Will you please stand with me for a scripture song? For today's gospel reading. This is the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John, chapter 1, verses 10 through 18. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory as the glory of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me because he was before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law was indeed given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. This is the word of the Lord.
So the sermon is in a little bit of a different place, and we will have some things to do post-sermon that we don't typically do. Hope you are anticipating all of that. I am anticipating this moment with all of you. This is actually the last in this particular sermon series. Home is closer than you think. This is the second Sunday of Christmas. We will start a new Epiphany series next week entitled Called Up. Yes, it will have a baseball theme. And yes, it was none other than Britt Bowlerjack who thought of all of that because she is about the sports balls. This, uh, though, I've anticipated this moment because I get to say this to you. We made budget. Yeah. And, and, it's, and, and beyond that, everyone, uh, we, didn't, we didn't just make budget. We made it in a very strong sort of way. And beyond the budget, you all gave somewhere in the neighborhood of $35,000 for things like Hope Box, things that don't necessarily show up in our regular line item budget, uh, things like Hope Box, Backpack Blitz, the Back to School Bash, and those kinds of things, another $35,000. And you more than paid your pledges to the Next Step program. Now, God love you. You waited until the very last month of the year to do all of the above, and I'm going to send my therapist bills to all of you, just a little bit at a, at a time, but it was just an amazing demonstration of faithfulness, an amazing demonstration of how it is that you worship and how it is that you feel about this place, and I can't tell you, just to say that I'm grateful is not nearly enough. I love being your pastor. I'll say it like that, and thank you for the ways that you come through and are the tangible embodiment of God's grace in my life and in this neighborhood as well. So thank you very much. Now, we are still in a pandemic. And the pandemic uh, has taken a toll, right? It's taken a toll. I was talking to my friends who work over at uh, Southern Nazarene University, and they tell me that this year they've had a record number of people who have attempted to harm themselves, take their own lives. A record number of people who have been hospitalized because of depression, anxiety. A record number of referrals to people to then be uh, uh, somehow tested to see where they fall in that particular process. And it, it is not just SNU, right? It's a lot of different places. And just looking around, and I actually checked on the websites like the Mayo Clinic, and here's what they say. Surveys show a major increase in the number of United States adults who report symptoms of stress, anxiety, and depression, and insomnia during the pandemic compared with surveys before the pandemic. But I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. In fact, as a pastor, I can tell you that I have heard it from all kinds of people. I have heard people who are normally fountains of hope and positivity they too have suffered the wounds, of, the wounds that are consistent with pandemic isolation and separation. And sometimes it's an overall sadness and depression, but sometimes it's a loss of hope and even a loss of faith. It's not just that the pandemic is looming out there. It's that the pandemic has forced us to isolate, to separate. And there are costs attached to that. There are costs attached to it. And it's, and it's because of this. We are actually made to be together. If you have made the decision to isolate, if you have made the, the decision to be separate, it's okay. Matter of fact, uh, you may have done such a, made such a decision 
because you want to protect the person next to you who is vulnerable. Protecting the people around us, that's also a Christian inclination. That's the right thing. And many of you have made that decision. But even so, the decision to isolate, made for the most loving and noble reasons, very well could lead to depression. You very well could have done the right thing. Maybe you are still doing the right thing. That doesn't mean that you are somehow then immune to the costs of isolation and separation. Now, why do we act like that? Why do we suffer those kinds of wounds when we are isolated, when we are separated? It's, it's because made in God's image like we are, we are made to be together. We are made for connection. We are made for relationship. Now, I am very grateful to Zach and to everybody else who have made our online presence possible. It has been crucial to our body life during the pandemic. It kept us together, let's say, when we couldn't actually be together and in the same room. And we have no plans to stop the live stream. We have no plans to stop broadcasting, in some sense, our, energy, our liturgies to our online digital congregation because there are people who absolutely are unable to be here. There are folks with us today, even this morning, who live in other cities, states, even countries like the Netherlands. Welcome to the Van Beverens. Welcome to those of you who are unable to be here for medical reasons. Welcome. Welcome. Perhaps it's transportation reasons. Welcome. Whatever the reasons that you are unable to be here but you are with us online, I want you to hear this word. I want you to receive this word. Welcome. We're glad you're here. We're glad you're a part of us. As a matter of fact, reaching budget, that would not have happened without the help of folks who belong to our digital congregation. Welcome. And at the very same time, we must continue to acknowledge that we are meant for connection, relationship, community, embodied community, if at all possible. And that's just as true here at church as it is anywhere else. Separation and isolation, they are hurtful and sometimes even dangerous. I hope that you've sensed that around here, we're always trying to thread the needle. That's the phrase I use with the staff all the time. Yep, we've got to be absolutely aware and cautious. And yep, we need to try to be together. So we've got to thread those needles all the time. Paying attention to COVID dangers while also providing for essential connection and community when and where possible. I'll be honest with you. I am not sure that we have counted the costs of isolation, separation, and division. I mean, public school teachers will tell you that there's a cost attached to it, that we're still recovering from months and months and months of separation and isolation. And I'm not saying that it was wrong. What I'm saying is you can do the right thing and still suffer the consequences for having done the right thing. In the Old Testament, during the wilderness wandering, the God who created Israel and Israelites knew that they needed contact, connection, embodied presence, and not just with one another, but also with God. So God wandered with them in a tabernacle, a glorified tent, in order to provide the people a more tangible presence. In the Hebrew Bible, this word translated as tabernacle could mean residence or even dwelling place. In other words, God moved with them, along with them, 
And we always need God to move with and along with us. That is God's name, as you know, Emmanuel, God with us. Presence matters. P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. It matters. God's presence matters. The tabernacle tells us what we need to know, knowing us like God knows us. God knows we need presence, tangibility, God's presence. God knows we need God to live into the very name, Emmanuel. It's not God above us. Of course God's above us. It's not God beyond us. Of course God's beyond us. But God chose this name, God with us. God with us. And it's because some messages are best delivered face to face. If you are considering a marriage proposal, let me encourage you, don't do that via text. Don't send that marriage proposal via email. If you are going to end a relationship, I, I would recommend that if at all possible you do that, face-to-face. In fact, the more urgent and important the human communication might be, the more likely it's best delivered face-to-face and not via digital format. I think God knows that. I think God knows that the Word, and here in the book of John we're going to read this word, word, several times, and it means message, message. This is a message, the message that God is bringing to us that is best delivered, everybody, not via text, not via email, but face-to-face, face-to-face. During the season of Christmas, we celebrate the heart of God, seen in the very presence of God. Because God knows us now, like God knows the Israelites before, God knows still that we need connection. We need tangibility. We need relationship. And so now listen again to this familiar passage from John 1. And notice that it starts at the level of the cosmic, of creation-wide presence, but it moves with great intention to the neighborhoods where we all live. So bear with me. I just want to read to you for a while. But hear it and know that you are meant to think also of Genesis 1 as you hear John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. Now that light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself, John, was not the light. He just came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. Now, we're going to talk about God moving into the neighborhood in a moment. But that doesn't mean that God was absent prior to that. God is enfleshed, let's say, in a lot of different ways. And God was enfleshed in a lot of different ways prior to the birth of Christ. Nature is a good way to actually find evidence of this God. There are lots of different ways that God made God's self known. But this is different. And now we will hear just how different it is. 
He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He, the word, came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. Verse 12, you've heard this already. But to all who did, to all who believed in his name, he gave power to become the children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will or of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And here it is. We will not read a more important verse the entire year than this one. And the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full in grace, full of grace and truth. Now, this verse is doing so much work. Let me just, just to give you a little bit of a hint here. This word lived, the word became flesh and lived among us. It's actually the same word that they use in the Old Testament. That is, the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. Tabernacled, pitched God's tent right here with us. Why? Because God is Emmanuel. And we are meant to connect not just back to the book of Genesis, but now also back to the book of Exodus in using this word. Oh, okay, so that God is this Jesus, and that God is this Jesus, and that God is coming to be here with us, with me, with you, in the same way that that God was with, with, in the most tangible way possible, with God's people, because there are some messages that are better delivered face to face. John testified to him and cried out, okay, this was the one. This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks ahead of me because he was before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. And honestly, the rest of the Gospel of John tells you what this grace looks like when it's received. It's Nicodemus coming to Jesus at night, saying, I don't get this whole thing. And Jesus not, doesn't banish him, doesn't push him away, and says, well, here's what you need. You need something new and something different, and I'm here to bring it to you. It's the woman at the well. It's the woman at the well. Jesus asked, for some, asked her for some water. She is stunned by this because that's not what was done. Jesus then proceeds to tell her all about her <laughs> and her life, but does so with open arms, grace upon grace upon grace. And by the way, tangible. It's the woman caught in the act of adultery in John 8. Caught in the act of adultery, and yet... Jesus says to her, being God, I don't condemn you either. Now go leave, live a better life. But there is not condemnation in the outstretched arms of this God. Grace upon grace upon grace. Tangible God wept when Lazarus died. Tangible God brought Lazarus back <laughs> because this is the word. This is God. Grace upon grace upon grace. No one has ever seen God. It is God the only Son who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known in a personal, present, tangible sort of way. Presence communicates the presence of God. 
presence brings us closer and closer to home where God is God. God is in charge. Presence. And yes, that presence is, is something that we try to rehearse and practice each week here. I want us. I want John the believer. I want to be more and more aware of the presence of God. Sometimes I find the presence of God in the presence of others who are, like you have for me this week, embodied grace. We have a long tradition of embodied grace around here. Embodied grace that communicates and demonstrates the very presence of God, perhaps when life is at its most difficult. And before I play a video that demonstrates this in, in Zach, thank you again, I want Jason to come up and tell you a little bit about Tuesday morning coffee. One of the greatest gifts that God gave me here at OKC First Church over 20 years ago was a woman named Helen Jameson. John Helen sat right over here, and she was my partner in ministry. When somebody would become ill or someone especially became, in their own way, not able to come to church as much, she would say, come here, Jason. I want to introduce you to one of my friends. We would go over to their home, and then I would begin visiting them and taking Eucharist to them. Helen was my partner in ministry. She had the thumb on everyone in the church. And the way she did that was something she started about the year 2000, which was Tuesday morning coffee. She invited all of her friends, the women in the church, to join her at Brahms every Tuesday morning. And they would go to different Brahms. They would meet every Tuesday, and you would go to four different Brahms each week that would come on Tuesday. But on the fifth Tuesday, she made every single fifth Tuesday extra special. She'd go to a fancy restaurant or into someone's home. And on those Tuesdays, those fifth Tuesdays, she would make placeholders where everyone would sit at the restaurant or in someone's home. And on the back of that personalized placeholder, she would have a little poem that she would write personally for you. And then she bought everybody a charm bracelet. And every fifth Tuesday, she bought a charm for everyone in the group, and they would put that on their charm bracelet. And she started that in about year 2000. Helen passed away in about 2015. But that group still continues. And I was telling this story to you or to Zach. I think it was Pastor Zach. And Zach said, we have to capture this story. So a couple of months ago, we decided to, to gather. And something about you've said so far about presence, John, this group, these women, during the beginning of the early stages of COVID, they began to bring their own coffee on Tuesday mornings and sit around Eldon Lion Park and they would have their Tuesday morning coffee. And then at Donna's church, they had an atrium that they would spread out and they would gather in that atrium. And so even through this difficult season, they've kept it going. And they want to keep it going in light of what Helen started. So I was telling Zach this story. He said, we, we have to capture this story. So a couple of months ago, we gathered at McDonald's, which we were going to for years. And when we walked into that McDonald's to film this piece that you're about to see, the McDonald's workers came up from behind the counter and began to hug these women who they hadn't seen for almost two years. And so when you're talking about grace, hospitality, and especially presence, I look forward to sharing you the gift of God for the people of God, Helen Jameson, and Tuesday morning coffee. This is Tuesday morning coffee group, and we, but we have breakfast. <laughs>
Helen Jamison started this in 2000 after her husband Marion died in December of 98. She was lonely and sitting there a lot, kind of wondering, you know, well, the phone didn't ring, you know, and Lynn told her, he said, she said, now, Mom, if you want people to talk to and to see, you need to start something yourself. And so she started the coffee, and she was really, really good at it. My name is Lynn Lucas, and I've been with this group since 2002, according to my bracelet, because I've got a 2002 charm. I had a career for so many years that I really didn't have a lot of time to go do girl things. And to me, this is the ultimate girl thing because you get to spend time with each other, you get to share your heartaches, you get to share your joy, you get to share your prayer needs. And it fills a real spot. In uh, 2003, uh, my husband and I chose to uh, leave the church and, and go join another church. And so I told Jean, I said, I'm gonna miss you ladies. And she said, no, you're not. And I said, well, I'm not going to church there anymore. And she said, that doesn't make any difference. She said, you're still one of us. And I have always felt like one of the ladies. And I have always appreciated the fact that, that they didn't exclude me just because I didn't <coughs> attend with them anymore. And they've always been, sisters in Christ to me and uh, they've been there when my husband passed and so they they're family they're they are my family we we do share those uh, the concerns and we laugh and we care for one another and uh, we text a lot <laughs> and uh, so I know that you know if I'm having some issues in my life I can just I even have a group called widows and I'm sorry, that doesn't, I know, because <clears throat> Trudy kept saying, well, that's what, I, I have to blame Jason because that's what Jason called it. He says, we have a widow's group that meets. And so I've just always called it widow's group. And so in my phone, I have a group and that means everybody else, every name pops up. When we started, we all had hubbies, but uh, you don't have to be a widow to join our group. We, we, would love to have more people. At one time, we were a large group, noisy group. <laughs> we're still uh, noisy. A lot of laughter, a lot of talk. Um, it's it's been my lifesaver. Uh, I look forward to Tuesdays. It's, uh, a great I, job. I never I never plan appointments or anything on Tuesdays. It's just Tuesdays is coffee with the girls. just gotten to know so many wonderful people through doing it. And ladies have encouraged each other. Um, you know, I don't know what people do without friends. And uh, so thank all of you for being dear friends. And, and uh, I know Helen would be proud of us today. We share books, uh, we share experiences, and we share our heartaches. I mean, I could almost stay all day, <laughs> you know, because we just get to talking and we just don't, we don't cut each other off and we just, uh, we just love being together. We all need friends. I mean, how could we go through life without friends? And these ladies are my friends, you know, and uh, 
So we meet together and friends share and friends talk about, you know, treat one another. And we share the ups and downs of life. And, and uh, it's just, this is just so important. And I, and, you know, I hope it, you know, keeps going until I can't walk in wherever we meet. Uh, I'm going to keep coming. And <laughs> I've got one of those in my house. <laughs> My name is Alfreda, Frida, Human. Um, Gerald is my husband for 66 years, and uh, he's gone now. But he was always really good about letting me go to, to the ladies' coffee. Well, he just didn't have much say in it, really. But I thought left. We want to make sure to get that part in there. That's really good. There's something Eucharistic about their being together. It wasn't Eucharist, as far as I can tell, but it was certainly Eucharistic. Meaning there was something in the way that they broke bread together that gave each of them this deep sense that they were not alone. And yes, it meant that there were other people around the table, but it also meant that these people were putting real skin and flesh on the very presence of God who was also around all of those tables. When we break bread around this table, my hope is that it's more than just a, an empty ritual for you. My hope is, like we read in Luke 24, remember this? passage, Jesus, the resurrected Jesus comes walking up beside people, starts up a conversation. They invite him into their home. They didn't really recognize who it was until he broke bread and then they saw him like they couldn't see him before. That's my hope for these moments around this table, that when the bread breaks and when you take that bread, take a sip from this cup, that somehow you're able to see a presence that you couldn't have seen otherwise. Good news, that is the intention of God for this moment, that you would develop the eyes to see and the ears to hear, the one who is deliver a message that is best delivered face to face, and that is God's mind about you is made up, and the news is good. So if you are helping us today, would you please come down front, and again, Dr. Tashin is going to take us through these very important moments. Please take your orders of worship and let us join together and make our confession before the Lord as we pray responsively. Let us humbly confess our sins to God. O oh God, you have shown us the way of life through your Son, Jesus Christ. We confess with shame our slowness to learn of him our failure to follow him, and our reluctance to bear the cross. 
have mercy on us, Lord, and forgive us. We confess the poverty of our worship, our neglect of fellowship and of the means of grace, our hesitating witness for Christ, our evasion of responsibility in our service, our imperfect stewardship of your gifts. Have mercy on us, Lord, and forgive us. Let us now, each of us in silence, make confession to God. Have mercy on us, Lord, and forgive us. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. In your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put new within me. Now the message that we have heard from God's Son and announce is this, God is light and there is no darkness at all in him. If we live in the light, just as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his Son purifies us from every sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and there is no truth in us. But if we confess our sins to God, he will keep his promise and do what is right. He will forgive us all our wrongdoing. Amen. Thanks be to God. Please stand with us for Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing.
and you may be seated. Let us pray. Father, you have appointed our Lord Jesus Christ as mediator of a new covenant. Give us grace to draw near with fullness of faith and join ourselves in a perpetual covenant with you through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. We come now to this special time when we reaffirm God's covenant with us in Jesus Christ. In the Old Covenant, God chose Israel to be a special people and to obey the law. Our Lord Jesus Christ, by his death and resurrection, has made a new covenant with all who trust in him. We stand within this covenant and we bear his name. On the one side, God promises in this covenant to give us new life in Christ. On the other side, we are pledged to live not for ourselves, but for God. Today, therefore, we meet to renew the covenant which binds us to God. Friends, let us claim the covenant God has made with his people and accept the yoke of Christ. To accept the yoke of Christ means that we allow Christ to guide all that we do and are, and that Christ himself is our only reward. Christ has many services to be done. Some are easy. Others are difficult. Some make others applaud us. Others bring only reproach. Some we desire to do because of our own interests. Others seem unnatural. Sometimes we please Christ and meet our own needs. At other times, we cannot please Christ unless we deny ourselves. Yet Christ strengthens us and gives us the power to do all these things. Therefore, let us make this covenant of God our own. Let us give ourselves completely to God, trusting in his promises and relying on his grace. I give myself completely to you, God. Assign me to my place in your creation. Let me suffer for you. Give me work to do. Give me many tasks or have me step aside while you call others. Put me forward or humble me. Give me riches and let me live in poverty. I freely give all that I am and all that I have to you. And now, Holy Father, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. May this covenant made on earth continue for all eternity. Amen.
hear this good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's great love towards us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. During these moments of passing of the peace, if you would like to greet one another in grace and peace, you're open to do that in a few moments. If you would rather not to greet one another, you can just go ahead in these moments, go ahead and be seated, or the classic move would be just to go to use the restroom to avoid others if you do not want to talk to them during this time, whether that be because you're introverted or the age of COVID. So in these moments, you can say Happy New Year, greet one another in grace, or as our friends in the Word and Table do, say, peace of Christ with you. Let's greet one another in love. We come now to a prayer that is called the Great Thanksgiving, and you are invited to stand if you are able, but please feel free to be seated if this is a bit uh, lengthy for you. You are perfectly free uh, to be seated, but as you are able, let us stand and join together in our orders of worship with our prayer that is called the Great Thanksgiving. 
The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, gracious God, creator of heaven and earth. Before the mountains were brought forth or you had formed the earth, from everlasting to everlasting, you alone are God. You created light out of darkness and brought forth life on the earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity and made covenant to be our sovereign God and spoke to us through your prophets. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ, in whom you have revealed yourself, our light and our salvation. You sent your signs and witnesses in every age and through all the world, and you have led your people from, places to, to far, from far places to this light. In his baptism and in table fellowship, he took his place with sinners. Your spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to pro proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the poor, good, good news to the poor, recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to announce that the time had come when you would save your people by the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread and broke the bread, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. 
Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty act in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna in the highest. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here, on, and on these gifts of bread and cup, Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, gracious Father, now and forever. And now, with the confidence of children of God, let us pray together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. The bread which we break is sharing in the body of Christ. The cup over which we give thanks is a sharing in the blood of Christ. You may be seated. Those who will be assisting, please come forward and prepare to serve. While they're preparing, let me give a few instructions. If you are a first time visitor with us, we are happy to say that we observe and we practice open table in the Wesleyan tradition. In John Wesley's teaching and in our practice, we invite anyone and everyone to come to the table of the Lord. If you're sensing a need of God's grace in your life. You are welcome at the table of the Lord. In fact, John Wesley himself often said, 
that this is a converting, can be a converting experience. And who of us does not need the grace of God in our lives? But you are not forced to come. You can choose to remain seated and use this time for prayer and meditation. Also, you have the option of using the individually packaged uh, bread and cup. The ushers will have some of these, and if you'd like to do it that way, uh, you can indicate, raise your hand, and they'll be happy to provide you with one of these. When you come to the front to receive the bread and the cup, come with cupped hands. A piece of bread will be placed in your palm. Don't eat it yet. Dip it in the cup. When you receive the bread, you will hear the words, the body of Christ broken for you. As you dip it in the cup, you will hear the words, the blood of Christ poured out for you. Then take and eat. Following that, find a place of prayer either here at these altars um, or you may return to your seat and spend this time in silent prayer. If you are in need of healing, uh, you may come to the padded altar to my left here and someone will pray with you. Now, the table of the Lord is ready and you are all invited. Please come.
Taking our orders of worship, let us join together in the prayer after receiving. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Please stand with us. Before 